welcome to the Locked On Lease podcast. Today's show brought to you by Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low pricing, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Today, once again, being joined by Ken Stapon, a coworker of mine over at TSN. Kenny Boy, Leafs, done. Cooked. Season over. They lose 3 nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. What's going through your head, man? Yeah, obviously it was a disappointing result for the franchise. You really thought that coming into this series against Columbus, the Maple Leafs were the heavy favorite. Uh, obviously, with a team like the Blue Jackets, you can't look past them. Obviously, the Leafs having the same fate as Tampa Bay after they got swept a year ago. So, I mean, it's obviously just a really disappointing result for the franchise. The expectation was was that this year was the year that this team was going to take the next step and be able to compete with the elite teams, especially in their division in Boston and Tampa Bay. And obviously, with this result, and it's not making it even into the 16 teams that make the first round of the playoffs, you have to feel like this season left a ton to be desired for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, no question about it. Like, you, you think back and – you look at all the moves that were made this season, all the way back to to the to the Kadri trade, bringing in that that coveted right-handed puck-moving defenseman Tyson Berry. You go out, you get yourself that backup goaltender Jack Campbell. Get yourself a little bit of grit and size and veteranness in Kyle Clifford. They locked up Muzzin. Uh, they were able to kind of replace, I guess, Kadri with a decent third liner in Kerfoot. It seemed like they put the pieces together or so they thought, together on paper. They even made the coaching change. You know, the hand-picked uh, Sheldon Keefe by Kyle Dubas is now the head coach. He got his opportunity midway through, but the same result uh, uh, happens, and uh, it was just a bizarre season, so many ups and downs. And to be quite honest with you, and, and you know, we're going to talk about the series in a little bit, and, and I really thought that they controlled most <clears throat> most of the play throughout that series. It's just... You know, it's playoff hockey, it's tight hockey, and the Leafs, they just may not have it in their DNA. And last night's game, I think, just kind of uh, just kind of proved it that they just can't play in those tight games, right? Playoff hockey, it takes a certain team, a certain, certain skill set, and a certain mindset to play. It just doesn't seem like the Leafs have it. Well, it's not necessarily in their DNA at this point. I mean... Look at the comparison when you look at the Toronto Raptors. For all those years, they just kept getting spanked by Cleveland or where, really wherever LeBron James was in the Eastern Conference in the postseason. They just weren't able to get over it until they went out and shook up the roster and made the big trade, trading DeRozan to bring in Kawhi Leonard, who changed the fundamental grassroots ideology of this team and turned them from a team that didn't believe in themselves in the postseason into a team that was able to take it to the next level and ultimately go on to knock off Golden State in the NBA Finals. Now, for Toronto, obviously, once the postseason starts, it's been well documented that the game tightens up defensively. It's more physical. And oftentimes, if you run into a hot goaltender, as the main beliefs did in Jonas Corposal on the other side, it can cause big problems for the franchise. To me, this gives credence to everybody who has criticized this team over the last several seasons saying you can't win like this in the playoffs. It's just not a transmittable style that's going to let you have success. The back end has been criticized for as long as I can remember saying that it wasn't sound enough defensively and they were going to need to bolster that. 
obviously they ended up going the other way, paying the four big guys up front and trying to get the offense first. And I didn't mind the game last night from their four big players. But mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they weren't able to close it out because of their defense in certain games. They weren't able to close out the series. So obviously you would like to have a better effort and have them close out in game three. And in game one, I thought that they didn't really show up or were able to instill their level of play as well. So again, I don't know how much you can take away from the game last night because I thought that the effort was there. I thought that they were by far the better team in possession. I thought they had the better scoring opportunities, but at the end of the day, the results are the results, and they're going home and hitting the golf course earlier than they expected this season. Yeah, there's just no no finish to this team. Um, and and with that, let's let's dig into last night's game a little bit. Let's go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and and you kind of noted on the good there, and and I had the same thing. I thought that the top line was was pretty darn good, right? They everyone's calling it the thirty four million dollar line, and that's exactly what it was. Unfortunately. You know, you can't buy goals in the NHL, and, and, and that's what happened last night. They just weren't able to score. Tavares had that one chance that ringed off the post, and, you know, he scores that. This game's a lot different, right? The Leafs have a, an early one nothing lead, and they could have coasted through the rest of the game. And who knows what would have happened if, if that were to have been the case. But, um, you know, it goes off the post, and then a couple other good opportunities. Matthews had a couple of good chances throughout the game. Um, you know, Marner was, was looking a little flashier throughout the game. And I, I like that line as a whole, but after that, it got pretty, pretty bleak in terms of, um, you know, they were doing a good job of, of puck possession and stuff and keeping the puck within Columbus's zone, but they weren't really doing much with it. And personally, something that I didn't like was, you know, I, I'm not too sure how much I like the fact that Sheldon Keefe rolled with the line changes for so long into this game, because to me, I felt that Nylander looked a little lost and playing at center is a pretty tough task to ask of somebody when they're not used to it, especially in a do or die playoff game against a team like Columbus, who's so tight checking as is and just suffocates you. And then they had some speed to go down the other way when they were able to force those, those turnovers which were extremely costly throughout the entire series. But um, the only good for me throughout that game was the top line. Other than that, there's quite a bit of bad. (laughs) Yeah, there isn't the depth scoring or the depth possession that you would have expected of this Toronto Maple Leafs team. And I think that Nylander in particular has been highlighted as a player that left something to be desired in this game. Now, obviously a tough assignment when you get tossed into a situation where you're forced to play the center ice position on the second line, when he really hasn't played that position frequently all season and with pretty much brand new line mates as well. I mean, I don't know how often we've seen that group together out there on the ice. So it's obvious that when this, you're going to get paid like that, there's going to be more scrutiny on your performance. I thought that Neil Ender had an opportunity tonight or last night to show that he was ready to take that next step and that he could be a driver on that line the same way that Matthews is a driver for that top line, the same way that Marner can drive a line. He had an opportunity to do that. I thought that his defensive game wasn't the best, and I thought that he was kind of invisible offensively. As for the bottom, the bottom six, I mean, it is what it is. What are you really expecting out of those guys? I thought that they showed up and did what they had to do, but – they weren't overly flashy and they haven't shown that they were going to be overly flashy. So I wasn't necessarily expecting much more than that. One player who I thought coming into the series was highlighted by a number of pundits was Ilya Mikheyev. He obviously had a very good 
camp there. You know, winning the posts. MVP of the scrimmage. Yeah, he was looking really good. I thought that he was very unnoticeable in the whole series. I mean, he rang the one off the bar last night. There was the deflection that hit the crossbar. That was really it. And honestly, just a little bit disappointed with his production as I figured that he would have a much bigger role to play in the Maple Leaf success in this series if they were going to have it. Obviously, that wasn't the case last night. He was a guy who I had really, really high hopes on going into this series. And, and I think everybody a, did. A lot of people did, especially, you know, because he had a pretty darn good like he was playing really well when he got injured back in, in December and then misses all this time comes back and then just starts lighting it on fire in camp gets camp MVP had a hat trick. You know, he was scoring goals. That line of Marner Tavares and McKayev looked really solid throughout camp. And it just, it was kind of a, uh, it was just fooling us because then once the games that actually mattered started, he went silent. He was absolutely a ghost. You couldn't see him. He was not a factor whatsoever. And it was really disappointing for, for me to see that Adam McKayev. And I think he lost himself some money this summer when he's going to be going and trying to negotiate for a contract with the Leafs. Well, I was heard an uh, interview with Chris Johnson, and he seems to think that there's already a tentative deal in place for McKayev, a one-year deal at sort of remedial money. So that'll be good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs if they can get him locked up into mm-hmm. at least a one-year deal to sort of solidify that bottom six or he'll at a reasonable price point because that's really what the Leafs need at this point. They need affordable players who can come in, understand the system, and hopefully he can continue to develop and understand the North American game. Let's not forget that this guy was playing in the KHL and didn't speak a lick of English on his way over here. Yeah. That can take time as well when you're making the transition from the bigger Olympic ice surface into the North American style game where it's a little bit more tighter checking and a little bit more physical. So I think that there's still more that we can see from Mikheyev as he continues to develop and understand the game. I just thought that he was very disappointing in this series in particular. I see a lot of Maple Leafs fans as well making a big deal over – Nick Robertson getting scratched and Sheldon Keefe going for Andreas Janssen. And really, I just think this is like nitpicking. It's splitting hairs. Are we really going to go through a third line winger and suggest that this is the reason <laughs> that they lost the game? I mean, yeah, it's Keefe, Leafs Keefe Nation. Knows That's Janssen. exactly what Leafs Nation does. It's, what do you mean? Man, it's preposterous. I just like, I'm watching, I'm looking at Twitter. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys, you need to relax. Oh, it would have been different if Robertson was in. He was having a great series. Look, Andreas Janssen is a guy that Sheldon Keefe trusts. He won a Calder Cup with him with the Marlies. He's a veteran guy. Obviously, Keefe felt that in this game, an elimination game, in game five, he was better off to go with the veteran player. And it's not as if, you know, the whole team has been playing this whole time. I know he hasn't played since the beginning of February. But really, everybody else on the team only has six games or only had skated five games if you include the scrimmage against Montreal. So it's not as if there's this great chemistry going and – you know, Janssen's come so behind the eight ball and everybody's in form. They've been playing for the last five months. And then all of a sudden, Keith is just going to toss him into the lineup. Everybody took a substantial amount of time off. And Keith obviously felt that in this circumstance, he was better to go with the veteran player rather than the rookie who, quite frankly, has never been in this sort of an atmosphere, this kind of, kind of a situation. Now, the, we'll see a lot from Nick Robertson moving forward into the future. I would be surprised if he's not on the Leafs opening day roster, if not for just the cap reasons that he's done the ELC more than anything else. But this is not the reason that the Maple Leafs won the game. And I didn't even hate Janssen's game last night. I thought that he had a great opportunity to score and it was just Corpus Allo was in form and wasn't letting anything in last night. 
Yeah, that was. I mean, that was really. I think his only big chance, and and that would have been a huge goal at that point in the game. But um, I, I, for the whole Robertson thing, just to go off on that, I think there was signs that that was going to happen. Maybe not that he was going to get scratched, but you know, when he shortened his bench in the third period there in, uh, in game four it was Robertson who ended up getting the, the short stick and really kind of had his butt glued to the bench in the second, third, and overtime periods. Um, and, and that was even when he started the game on the second line. But then you go and take a look at his shifts. He played two shifts in the second period, four shifts in the third period, and then only a shift or two in, in overtime. So, you know, I think that as the series wore on, um, maybe Nick Robertson kind of lost the trust of Coach Keefe. Um, I don't know if I saw it that way, but obviously something that Keefe's, you know, he said that he didn't like the team's game at multiple points in the series. I'm sure Robertson was one of those guys where he just didn't really like his game. So the second that Janssen was good to go and he got cleared, I think that it was pretty evident that Keefe was going to put him into the lineup. Would I have done it? I don't know. But again, like you said, we're splitting hairs here. It's a third liner. It's not like it's going to make or break. It wasn't going to make or break the game, whether or not it was Janssen or Robertson in the game. Like, I, I, no, I truly as, believe that. But as far as Robertson is concerned, obviously, that defensive game at the NHL level takes time to adjust to. You know, the speed of the game is bigger. The players are bigger. They're more physical. They're faster. Everything's happening so much more quickly. I think the offensive instincts can be there for a younger player. But to understand the defensive responsibilities and be able to react on the fly in the defensive situations is something that just takes time and you can't rush that process. I mean, the only way that you're going to get better at is from experience. Robertson has what now four NHL games experience under his belt. So it's no surprise that Sheldon Keefe would trust his more veteran players in situations where the game is getting tighter. And obviously that's why he went with the over Robinson last night, Robertson rather. Yeah, definitely. And, and especially in, in, uh, in a do or die game five. Um, Ugly. We didn't quite talk about what specifically was ugly to you last night. I thought there was a couple of ugly. Uh, I things. got one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you uh, do. The second goal from Frederick Anderson. <laughs> I thought that. I thought that was about as ugly as it gets. Uh, listen, I'm not here to berate Frederick Anderson. I think that for most of the series, he was one of the better players for the Maple Leafs on the ice. I thought they gave them an opportunity to win in Game One. Obviously, Game Two worked out in their favor. Uh, I don't think that the collapse in game three is necessarily all on him, although there was maybe one or two of those goals where it's like, ah, you could maybe have it, but I'm not going to pin that one on him. At the end of the day, the best goaltenders in the league find a way to come up with a save in a big moment to keep your team within striking distance. And that goal last night in the third period late, you really felt that Toronto had the momentum. They were dominating the possession. They were getting good shots in the offensive zone. It was just a one-goal game, and you felt like they had the wind behind them, and they were going to be able to pop it. And then Anderson gives up that crappy shot from the corner, very similar to the one that he gave up against Boston a year ago. I mean, it's just a backbreaker for the team. And you could see that they just all looked dejected on the bench. You know, they couldn't get one past Corbisalo. How are they going to get two now in the last 10 minutes of the game? It was an ugly, ugly goal. And unfortunately for, for Anderson, it's going to lead to some questions about his future with the organization as he heads into the final year of his contract because he hasn't been able to come up with a big save in the big game to get the win for the Toronto Maple Leafs when they have a chance to close out the series. No, he's never made the big save. He's never gotten the big win. And like you said, 
although I thought that he played pretty darn good throughout the, the playoffs. Like I think he had like a 930 save percentage throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah, I thought he was good. Pretty steady. He he kept the team into it. He kept them in games, like almost every single game. There wasn't a blowout. There wasn't a time where you were thinking like, oh my God, Freddie doesn't have it tonight. And I thought that he played well. The problem is the, you know, two, it's the three muffins that he let in throughout the game or throughout the series were all extremely costly. Like you think about yeah. game one, that game winner from Atkinson, you got to have that save. You think about this goal by Foodie last night, you got to have that save. You know, one of those goals, the, the, the game tying goal, or even the Seth Jones goal from the collapse of game three, you got to make that save. Yeah. Consistently year after year kind of tends to turtle at certain points. And, and he just continually, um, disappoints this team when they need him to come up big and i think i saw the stat on sportsnet that said in games where anderson has the chance to eliminate the opposition so not an elimination game necessarily for toronto but where the other team is on the ropes he's zero and eight yeah and that's it is what it is that's just the stats the stats don't lie and it's going to be something that's going to follow him and that's going to be the narrative behind this goaltender until you change it and the only one that can change it is yourself. And unless they're able to move on, like next season, we're going to look ahead to next season now. If he's not able to have a stellar regular season and then get at least out of the first round of the playoffs, I don't see a situation where the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be able to resign this guy because the fan base is done with him. And he's proven that he isn't able to get it done in the big moments, for better or for worse. Kenny, I'll be honest with you. I'm not convinced, 100% convinced that Anderson breaks camp with this team next year. That's a conversation for a different day. And I'm sure now that the Leafs are eliminated from the playoffs, I'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But uh, I'm not convinced that that the Leafs are going to, you know, this isn't going to taste good. And I don't know. I just, in my opinion, I had this thought when they went out and they signed or when they traded for Jack Campbell. Like, not that Jack Campbell's a starter and a number one, but – Leafs have to find cap space somewhere. That might be somewhere where they can find some space. Again, I don't want to get into it now because I'm I I've I've planned to get into it over the yeah, next. Yeah, that's week for another so. day. Uh, I hate but, the cap talk, <laughs> but it's 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 you it's, hate it's it. Ne- it's necessary. It's there. Like there will be a time to discuss that. I don't think that necessarily today is the time. Like no. there's a whole off season that we could talk about how up against it the Toronto Maple Leafs are. But you're right; they're going to have to figure out a way to fill out at least one spot in their defense if you figure that Sandine's going to be coming up and be a regular next year. They still have to replace Cody Stacey and Tyson Berry, who are both unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. So that's going to have to come from somewhere. And then you look at the following season, that's the one where they're really up against as Morgan Riley and Frederick Anderson are both going to need to be renewed or they're going to need to move on and replace those players as well. So a lot of big decisions coming in and a lot of pressure on this Toronto Maple Leafs team already looking ahead to the next season. Just to wrap up our conversation about game five before we move on and talk about the series as a whole, if there's one thing that uh, that's a bonus and a benefit to all Leaf fans after losing game five, it's that hopefully we don't have to see Cody CC in a Leafs uniform anymore. What the hell was he doing on that play last night? Can you explain it to me? Man, like CC for me, I, he's the latest whipping boy in the long list of defensemen who oh. like to get whipped. Last night, he didn't have a good game. And it was kind of a, a accumulation or a culmination of the way his season has gone. 
it just hasn't gone well for the Maple Leafs. I mean, this is a guy that came over in the Nikita Zaitsev trade, and I don't think that you would really want Zaitsev on that number on the books for the next several years. And at least the necessary evil with CeCe was that his contract was only a one-year deal, so you were going to be out of it by the end of the season. But my goodness, I mean, this guy, when he has the puck on his stick, it's like I'm holding my breath because you don't know what he's going to do with it. And it seems like half the time, He's got more than enough time to make a good play, and then he ends up just throwing it and turning it over to the opposition. So I didn't think that his game was excellent last night and think that, by my estimation, he was one of the worst defensemen for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this series and during the regular season. It is what it is. Uh, Lee fans will be happy that this is the last year of his contracts and they can take that $4.5 million cap it and try to spend it elsewhere because I think that the, that could be money much more well spent for this organization. Uh, I totally agree with you, man. Totally agree with you. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's have a chat about uh, the series as a whole. So in total, Maple Leafs losing 3-2 uh, to in the best of five. Um, shutout and bookend games to end it. And I think that is really the storyline throughout this series is just how great Columbus's goaltending was. I think, you know, from a least perspective, you can look at it and say, I can't believe that the Leafs weren't able to score. They pay so much money for this team. They're the best scoring team uh, or the second best scoring team, I guess, in the regular season. You know, they got so much money allocated up front, 70% of their contracts up front, and they can't beat these two goaltenders. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe that the goalies need to stand up and take a bow for Columbus because they were just phenomenal the whole way. A lot of people aren't going to like the quote from Sheldon Keefe where he suggested after the game that the Leafs probably got oh. a little bit unlucky. The puck left I mean, but, was so dumb. So dumb. Yeah, it's, it, it's dumb, but also, but when you look at the analytics, I mean, and you know that Keefe and Dubis and Maple Leafs organization are very into the analytics of this sort of nature. They did just have bad luck. I mean, 2% five-on-five shooting – that's not a percentage that would normally be sustainable. And I have to go and look and see what their percentage was over the regular season. But usually guys like Tavares and Marner and Matthews are going to be well up over that at least three or four times that percentage on the regular season. They just couldn't get a bounce in this series. And it is what it is. You can't wait for the lucky bounce. You'd like to see them control the series a little bit more. I thought the only game that they were really in control was in game two. Outside of that, you know, they obviously blew the lead in game three. Game one was all Columbus. Game four, I thought was all Columbus until the last five minutes. Game five, I didn't mind the Leafs game, especially from the top guys. But at the end of the day, they weren't able to get on the board and you ended up getting sent packing. So it is what it is. I mean, the series in itself is just going to be the culmination of really a missed opportunity and a disappointing season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer this offseason, and they're questions that have been asked about this organization time and time again, it seems like, over the last four or five seasons. And they're going to have to either look themselves in the mirror and figure out a way where they can play a more team-oriented game and a more defensive-oriented game, or they're going to have to shake up the roster a little bit and bring in some guys who have the experience and know how to do that from prior experience on other teams making deep postseason runs because this team does not have the gumption at this point in time to push through as it's constructed they've demonstrated that time and time again over the last three seasons and you got to figure that nothing is going to be off the table for the general manager heading into this offseason 
Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of hard conversations that are going to have to be had with Shani and, and Dubas about what they're going to do. If they yeah, think of course. They MLS is going to be a picked. big roster change or, or what, but something, it seems like something is going to happen. Something has to happen because they tried it their way. They had an opportunity to, to shut people up this year and it didn't happen. They ended up getting ousted in the qualifying round of the playoffs to a lower seeded Columbus Blue Jackets team who lost Panarin, who lost Duchesne, who lost Bobrovsky. All three of those players who were their big guns, you would call it, last year, lost all of them, and then still were able to beat the Maple Leafs in a playoff. Yeah, ironically as well, all three of those guys all got eliminated in the qualifying (laughs) round as well. The Rangers obviously going home and the Panthers going home. So a little bit of credence for Columbus just seeing those guys sent to packing after they left in free agency. Yeah, I, here, <sighs> man. Like, here's, the thing I, for Toronto. I, here's the thing that I think that hurt them throughout the series is just the fact, and this is probably the blueprint now. I think to beat Toronto, and and the Leafs are going to have to come up with a way over the summer to to beat this because Columbus was just suffocating. Right, they closed in on pucks and forced a lot of turnovers, and they were able to capitalize off of them. I think that was the yep. biggest difference in this series. The fact that. The second Marner got the puck, the second Tavares got the puck, Riley, anybody touches the puck, they're like, it was like they're all playing man defense. And the moment that somebody got it, you're closing in on them. And it yeah. forced their players, it forced the Maple Leafs to, to move the puck a lot sooner than they maybe anticipated on doing. And it ended up forcing a lot of turnovers. You think about how many of those goals, even the collapse in game three, came off of turnovers. You know, a lot of them, a lot of them. I, even the game winner was a turnover because. Uh, who's the defense was Gavrikov was the defenseman who stepped up with the poke check on, on uh, Tavares and, and sent Dubois going like it's, it's at the end of the day, that was the biggest downfall for Toronto is that they got, got. Sorry, you cut out a little bit at the end there, Mikey. So I didn't catch the end of your thought. Oh, but... sorry. I'm, I'm just, I think that was the, the biggest difference between, you know, the Leafs and Jackets, the fact that Columbus was just suffocating and yeah, um, it's two different philosophies right. and style of play. Obviously Columbus has built their team as the more blue collar grind it down. It was well-documented coming into the series, the difference in the coaching staffs and John Tortorella's experience versus Sheldon Keefe, who is the much younger of the two coaches, as far as NHL experience is concerned. I mean, Torts has been doing this for 20 years. The roster of Columbus is constructed to play this tough style of game, just to grind you down to it's not exciting hockey. They just chip it into the corner, especially when they have the lead. They make it tough to play against. I think that a lot of these teams in particular are going to have difficulty executing this style that Columbus played, though, even if they were playing Toronto. At the end of the day, for me, the best players in the series were were, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones on the Jackets. And not too many teams are going to have a defensive pairing that's as potent as those guys. I mean, they can both skate with the puck. They're both smart offensive players who can join the rush. I thought Wierenski gave the Maple Leafs fits with his ability to create offense and join the rush uh, when, especially on the counterattack after they were able to snap it out of the zone and cap. And Jones, I mean, what can you say about this guy? You know, I've documented this before that he's going to be a Norris Trophy winning defenseman at some point in his career. You feel like he's right on that cusp. He was able to shut down the Maple Leafs top lines with ease, it seems like. He skates well, he's big, he's physical. I thought that they were the best players in the series probably outside of the goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets and hats off to them that real Hanson trade to the Preds is looking like it paid dividends beautifully for the Jackets now because this guy is a horse 
And that's the kind of guy that the Maple Leafs wish they had on the back end. So a bona fide number one who can contribute on both ends of the ice. It worked out. <laughs> I can say it worked, it worked out. It worked out, man. I mean, how stupid a... does that trade look now? I mean, <sighs> Ryan Johansson's struggling in Nashville. They can't put up any points in the, from the center ice position. And for that matter, all three of them. Duchesne didn't have a great series. Turris didn't have a great series. That's the sort of stuff that gets GMs fired. If you feel like David Poyle is sweating a little bit looking at the production of some of the guys he's given up to bring in those players who are now just laying eggs and they're all under long-term deals with the organization. And here's the thing, too, with, with Columbus. It, it wasn't just that top defensive pairing. It was really a, a full six-man unit and just team defensively in general, I think, that that really stood out to me. The fact that as a team, they, they buy in and they play really tight. And only it's playoff three hockey. Goals, three goals were scored at five on five for that's Wayne. ridiculous that's the most like that that is preposterous stat. for a team that's supposed to be in the top one of the top offensive teams in the league i think at second, some point yeah at some point the second four, best scoring team in the regular season next yeah. to tampa who tampa was number funny one enough, columbus is gonna have next <laughs> yeah uh, at that man it's like at some point if you're supposed to be this potent offensive team even if you're playing against the top defensive team, you have five opportunities to be able to instill your way of playing the game on the other team. I thought the only game, as I mentioned earlier, that they were able to do that was in game two. The rest of it, I thought Columbus was driving the bus, and Sheldon Keefe, in that sense, played right into John Tortorella's hand. Yeah, and, and the Leafs, they got a lot of shots on goal. They had a lot of offensive possession time, which makes the, the fancy numbers look good. But when you really boil it down to things, they didn't have a lot of grade-A chances, and they didn't get inside. You know, I, I felt that Columbus kept a lot to the outside, and, and a lot of the shots on goal were pretty easy shots, pretty easy saves for the goaltenders. They made a couple of really nice beauties, of course. You're going to get that over a five-game series. But for the most part, they weren't too, too threatening, and it was because – they just boxed out everybody. There was no second, third chances throughout the entire series. Like, I don't think I can, I can't think of a single goal that was off of a rebound. Like, was the, was Nylander's goal a rebound? That may have been one. But other than that, there was no rebound goals given up. The, all the junk was being cleared out pretty quickly by the defense and, and or you had the goaltenders not really allowing any second-chance opportunities and covering the puck up right away. Yeah, deflecting it out of play. They did a good job, and hats off to them. It's the style of play that we've become accustomed to when it comes to this Blue Jackets team, a stifling defensive team, and they protect the house in front of the net, make the shots come from outside, give their opportunity for their goaltenders to make a good save when they can see the puck. So... Toronto, you would like to see them get more bodies to the net, maybe get some more traffic in front, try to make it more difficult for the goaltenders of Columbus to see the puck. But at the end of the day, the five-on-five numbers are what they are. I think you said uh, only three goals in the series, five-on-five. And that's just a damning statistic for a team that's supposed to be one of the most offensively talented teams in the league. A disappointing end to a disappointing season. Uh, Leafs still with one more chance to get a win, though, and that comes tonight with the NHL Draft Lottery. Um, Kenny, they've got a 12.5% chance to land Alexis Lafreniere. Does does, does that at least, if they win this tonight, does it (laughs) It at least, does it a little bit? It moves the needle for sure. I mean, I think the bigger storyline is that when you look at the three teams who nobody wants to win, Pittsburgh, Edmonton, and Toronto, 
you combine all their chances and it's about 37 and a half percent. So just over a one in three shot that one of those guys gets it. I hope that one of these three teams gets it. Obviously, you know, rooting for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you'd love to see them get it because the rest of the NHL will melt down. If Edmonton, Pittsburgh, or Toronto gets the pick, they're just going to lose it. And I think it would be so funny, especially Edmonton. Edmonton might be the funniest one. I, you know, as a hockey fan, you obviously don't want to deal with Connor McDavid, Leon Drysdale, Alexis Lafreniere for the next foreseeable future because that's going to be a nightmare. It's essentially like you're turning this team into a super team, like the Golden State Warriors almost. Yeah. And with all the shots that they've had at number one picks, it would be so ridiculous and preposterous if they were able to win it this year. But there will be some drama tonight. We'll see who ends up winning it. It's going to be interesting. My my thing is, though, I, I hope that one of those teams gets in. I'll throw the Rangers in there as well. Um, just because they're such a good market. But it's like 50-50. You got 50% of them being great markets, Edmonton, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and the Rangers. And, and it would be fantastic to watch them playing on a line with either McDavid, Crosby, Panarin, or Matthews. But then you look at the other four teams that are involved here, and it's like, I Minnesota, really hope go to Florida. Winnipeg. I really hope I, I, like, I, 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 Honest to God, like I've got family that lives in Winnipeg. I hope that he doesn't go to Winnipeg. Well, like they've had a, like they've had a good team for the, yeah they've had a good team for the last several years as well so it's not as if they're limping obviously they had some trouble on the back end this year Buffalo didn't come back they ended up you know sending Truba out to New York you know Myers left it is what it is they're obviously in a little bit more of a rebuild but still like I can't see Lafreniere in that Winnipeg Jets jersey but at the same for the same token. They would feel the same way about Toronto, and everybody has an even 12.5% chance. So it'll be much watch TV tonight. And depending on how it goes, it, there might be some more podcasts popping up in the future. Because if Toronto gets it, I don't want to say that it sort of would be the silver lining or the golden lining in the season that was completely disappointing. For one of these teams, they're going to get a shot at number one. And that's, a, that's an opportunity that can really change your franchise change your luck of your franchise for the foreseeable future i don't think i anticipated talking about uh the lafreniere sweepstakes come this point in the season and not you know we're talking about edmonton toronto pittsburgh battling it out for it and a team like montreal and chicago that are moving on into the playoffs it's it's still just bizarre it's bizarre so yeah, bizarre. it is um, I think, uh, by my estimation, I think that the NHL kind of messed this up a little bit. I would have liked to see them wait until the conclusion of the playing around and then do the lottery so at least everybody knew what was going to happen. Um, yeah, then you like can this also, little second Based half off the thing. seating, yeah, yeah, based off the seating, you could do the percentages accordingly. I think because of the way that the, the percentages shook out, there was actually the eight teams when you combined all their chances. They had the best opportunity to get that first overall pick better. Like maybe Ottawa had better because they had the two picks in the yeah. top five, but regardless, this was not in, like, this was not out of left field. Like there was a very good possibility that one of these lottery teams was going to end up getting the first overall pick. And obviously it ended up happening. I don't think that these teams can really be upset about it. They agreed to the system. And especially when you look at the eight teams or that were pretty much in playoff position already, like you look at, Pittsburgh or you look at Edmonton they were 
for sure going to make it into the top 16. We're going to be guaranteed a seven-game series in the first round. So for them, you have to give some sort of assurance that they're going to let the other eight teams in for a playing round because on that, they would have an opportunity to draft number one. And that's the way that panned out. It'll be really interesting and captivating to see who ends up with the pick this evening. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I I think like the thing too, and the next question is, and we'll keep this short as we gotta kinda wrap it up a little bit here. Um, if the Leafs do end up getting the pick, do you expect them to take it? Do they trade it? Do they use it to get their next Kawhi? What would you do oh, with man. The Leafs if they win the pick tonight? Right. That's a good question. That's something that's better suited for the management team. I don't know what their ideology would be. Um, I would be interested to see maybe if you could trade to somebody back a little bit for like a couple of players. Like I think I for Toronto, seeing... like maybe if you, like, I don't know, even know if Ottawa would be interested in this, but maybe no. if you could trade one for no. three and five, you don't think no. that they'd, you don't think that they'd do that day. Eh? I don't think Toronto does that. You want to have to go so? up against Lafreniere for the next 20 years? No, but I think, think about that international the... trading and how often that doesn't happen. No, I think, think that before the Maple Leafs, franchise though, player like just, just hear me no. out, though. If you have three and five, you can get two picks that are probably going to be pretty effective players for your franchise as long as they pan out. With the Maple Leafs' current cap construction, I think you'd rather have two guys who can contribute on those ELC deals than one. Obviously, this is a mood point. I don't know what the management team will do if they end up getting this guy. I would assume that MLSC will probably say, you're picking this guy because of the morality and because of what the possible chemistry could be with this guy playing on the wing, with whether it's with Matthews, whether it's with Tavares. But I would wonder if they would think about moving that pick to another organization to get some help right now with some positions that they need help. Like maybe you could move them for a D-man. Maybe you could move it for whatever. We'll see what happens. But my sneaking suspicion, though, is that they would probably hold on to it and take this guy. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they win the pick. That's that's all I want. I want the Leafs to win yeah, the pick. Yeah, yeah. But they have so many uh, options. Obviously. <laughs> options would be endless. They could keep it. They could take it. They could go off the board and grab the defenseman they want anyways. They could go and they could use it to, to trade for a defenseman, trade back and get other picks. Like They have so many opportunities if they win it, but they have to win it. Because if they don't win this draft lottery and they don't even get their first-round pick, that pick ends up going to – uh, Carolina, which I believe they may have sent to uh, to the rain. No, it'll it'll go to Carolina. So then Carolina has the pick. Maybe the Rangers. One of the two. I forget which pick that was included in the Brady Shea trade. But uh, in order for the Leafs to keep their pick this season in the first round, they're going to have to win this lottery. Is basically what I'm trying to say. So yeah, uh, it's 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 going to be important. Um, it could be. Uh, I don't want to say franchise defining, but it could be. It really could be, and it could put any of these teams, whether it's Edmonton, Toronto, Pittsburgh, although they're good and they're all stocked with pretty solid talent, it could put them on another level. Uh, So tune into that. A lot of scouts have him pegged as being a top 10 player in the league once he matures. So Mm -hmm. obviously that's the kind of player that can change your franchise and everybody will be gunning for him tonight. So tune into that to watch it and see who ends up coming away winning the Lafreniere sweepstakes. We're hoping that Toronto does so. Um, that's to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. 
Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Ken at Ken Stapon. Ken, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Mikey. Enjoy the evening and uh, go Leafs with this in this lottery here. Hey, Amen. Just, just praying, 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 praying for one more win this season. That's it. I just need one more win. They didn't get it last night, but they have an opportunity to get it tonight with a lottery victory and uh, set this franchise up in a pretty good space going forward. So let's do that for Leafs Nation. They need a win. We need something because that was a pretty, pretty deflating uh, week or two there um, in the qualifying round. All right, if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep locked out here on Locked On Leafs.